from 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. Hear the word of God. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. So I'm Sharon Anderson, pastor of Discipleship and Care, with the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. I'm a person who loves to hear other people's stories. And I often wondered if we ever had time on a Sunday morning, which we don't, but if we did, if we could sit and hear other people's stories and just really have a safe place where you could share what's gone on in your life. And my bet would be, that as you shared your story, there would be something in that of trial, of suffering, of challenge that shaped you into who you are today. That's true whether you're in elementary school or beyond. Whatever place in life you are, those kinds of things are the things that shape us. So today we're looking at this passage in Peter about suffering. And we're finding out that we really need a change in perspective when we think about suffering. We need to be able to say there's something in that nugget of what happens in our lives that God is doing something great with. There was a, a Swiss philosopher when he was asked about the challenges of the secrets of living a rich life. He said it this way to this friend. You know the art of living, my friend? It is contained In one phrase, make use of suffering. Ah, We don't like to hear that necessarily, but that's exactly what Peter is talking about in this passage this morning. Exactly what Peter has been hinting with all through this book as we've looked at going against the flow. What it means to live in a culture that doesn't necessarily, necessarily celebrate our faith. And so as we go through this passage, we're going to look at what it means to suffer as a Christian, what it means to bear the name of Christ that leads us to suffer, but also in general, what does suffering have to teach us about living? You and I know that we live in a bit of a hostile culture when it comes to things of faith. Oh, people might be accepting of it for a while, as long as you're spiritual and you're allowing everyone else to just be spiritual. But once we claim the name of Christ, 
there's something that happens. And not everyone is going to be welcoming to that. And that's exactly what Peter's talking about today in this passage. How do we make use of suffering that we're facing? Is there a purpose in it? Is there anything for us in this today? So here's a quick overview of where we're going today in this passage. And if you have your Bibles, either on your app or in print, I encourage you to open them there to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to take a look at facing suffering without surprise, facing suffering as blessing, and then what it means to face suffering in faith. Now, we know that this audience that that Peter is speaking to and writing to in this passage were Gentile Christians, and they had been facing sufferings. We're not exactly sure what it means in that verse 12 when he says, the fiery ordeal you're going to be facing. I read one commentary who said maybe he was looking ahead to the uh, persecution that Nero was bringing when actually Christians were actually burned. But I think what he's more referring to here is that there's some kind of refining process going on, like fire does for a, for a metal. A fiery ordeal that was with, full of pain and pressure and persecution. And Paul, Peter is saying to them, Ah, this is the norm. Don't be surprised by this. You know, I think this is a good word for us today in the Christian world because too often we hear that we should, we hear that saying or something that Christian faith is going to be a place of fulfillment for your life. Come to Christ and you will find a place of prosperity. You will find all ease. And, and it's just such a lie. It's such a lie. And what we are going to look at in this passage is that Jesus himself and Peter, as he reminds us, says this is not the call of the Christian. This is not the way of the Christian. It says instead that those who follow Christ should expect this. He's telling us, first of all, don't let it surprise you. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange when you face suffering. I think that's our normal reaction. We we have this sense of, I'm following Christ, and why why aren't things just going straight for me? Why aren't things going smoothly for me? And I think exactly where we sometimes get into the, the false gospel, the false gospel that says, it's something I can purchase, it's something I can gain to fulfill my life. And that's not what Jesus talked about. Not come to Jesus and your life will be complete. Come to Jesus because he is the way of life. And we do a disservice to the gospel and to newer believers when we make it sound as if the way of life is, the way of faith is easy. It's a naive faith. A naive faith. You know, when you're naive, you're unrealistic about something. You're, you're immature. You're not completely correct. It's just starting out. I think we've all gone through seasons where we've lived that, in that naive place of faith. It was 30 years ago, this month, when I faced one of those startling challenges myself, where my naive faith was revealed. My husband and I were well on our way to kind of establishing the life that we'd expected. We'd bought a home, we were settled into a lovely community and a church in Minnesota. We were awaiting the birth of our third child. 
Life was good. We'd been following God. This is the way it should go forward. But when Krista Marie was born, she had severe physical challenges. And she died a day later. And we remember this in the month of October. It's that heaviness of faith, the challenge of faith we walked through. And after her birth and then death, I distinctly remember these thoughts going through my head. That's not the way it's supposed to be, God. This is not what I signed up for. But God is the one who moves us through that place of naive faith and tells us the truth. And so how do we challenge naive faith in our own lives and people we might be ministering to? How do we help them see beyond that? Well, I think one of the best ways is just speaking the truth. Speaking the truth to people. I know I longed for truth in times of suffering. Let's tell people the truth. And here's the truth according to Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And this is what Peter is telling us in this passage too. If you suffer for the name of Christ or you suffer in general, don't be surprised. Don't be startled by it. Expect it because this is the way of Jesus, full of challenges, full of troubles. But we know we have a Christ who's overcome. Eugene Peterson says this passage this way in the message. When trials come, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Don't we do that? God, you must not be on the job because things are falling apart or because I'm living a life of faith, but I'm getting all kinds of pushback, all kinds of pressure. Just remember Peter himself had once had that naive kind of faith. Remember when Jesus began to explicitly tell his followers, saying to them, I must go to Jerusalem, I must face the chief priests, I will be whipped, and I will be killed. And what did Peter do? That wasn't the way of Jesus. He went to him and he said, no, no, Lord, come aside, let me tell you. In fact, the scripture says he rebuked Jesus and said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus, Peter had this naive faith that the way of Jesus was going to be a way of glorious upward climb, not the cross. And Jesus comes back to him and says what? He calls him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. The things of God sometimes involve this place of suffering. And Peter learned that. He's telling them that we, their connection with Jesus, he's telling us this too. It means there might be suffering. In fact, expect it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't think it strange. Rejection, abuse, and for them, even physical persecution is the way of Christ for many. And I think we can't expect to follow Jesus fully and not experience this for ourselves. In fact, I would challenge, I'm challenging myself in this, and I would challenge us as a community. If you've never gotten any pushback for your faith, if you've never gotten anybody kind of dismissing you or wondering if you're just a little crazy, or I wonder, I wonder if perhaps you're not walking, we're not walking in that bold way in Christ. Our Christian faith is going to bring up hostility. Dismissal, maybe even scoffing. 
but it should make us walk closer to the Savior who endured all of that as well. So the first thing we do in this place of facing suffering is we do so realistically. We say this is the way of life. We walk through suffering. But we also face it, and this is probably even more challenging. Oh, I've got back one here. Is that we face it with rejoicing. We face it as a blessing. Isn't it something that Peter says this very clearly? Don't be surprised. Don't be startled. Something's happened. But instead, rejoice. Yay, have fun. Find joy. Find blessing in this place of suffering. This is where we move to a more realistic view of what it means to suffer. And there really are three ways that suffering, at least three ways, there are plenty, but in this passage, Peter kind of unfolds three ways that this suffering can be blessing for us. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know, and none of us know, what we'll be facing next month. God knows. And as we look at these blessings of suffering, we can hold fast faith in faith just as Peter was encouraging his readers to do. First of all, suffering is a blessing because we get to identify with the God who suffered for us. When we suffer, we identify with Jesus' sufferings. We remember that there was a God who came and put on flesh, who became person like us, not to avoid the suffering of the world, but to enter into it. And when we suffer, we have a unique identification with Jesus Christ. Peter says it this way in verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. There's something glorious happening as we identify and look back at what Jesus did on our behalf. Jesus was very clear about this all along. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount what he said. He said to this, his followers, blessed are you when people insult you. Have <sighs> you had that blessing this week? <laughs> blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, Jesus says. Be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we suffer and identify with Jesus, we join a long line of those who have suffered because of the cause of God. And we can identify in a unique way with the human suffering of Jesus Christ. Think of it. Peter had been there. And all throughout this letter, he writes about the suffering of Christ, the suffering of Christ. In fact, it's interesting that he doesn't often say the cross of Christ or salvation. He uses that term over and over. And I wonder if it's because Peter was an eyewitness to so much of this suffering. He saw what Jesus went through. He heard the scoffing. He heard the sound of the whipping. And maybe he wasn't at the cross, but he knew what was happening. He knew. And so when he calls us to identify with Christ, he's remembering this place of unique intimacy, really. When we experience what Jesus did on earth, when we suffer as he suffered, maybe never to the extent that he suffered, but when we walk in that way, we can identify with Christ. There's a unique communion, a union that you are Christ's, he is yours, you together 
are facing this. And that is blessing, my friends. Not the suffering itself, but the union with Christ that comes. And the second blessing that comes as we understand faith suffering is that it purifies our faith. It does something to make us stronger. It moves us from naive faith to mature faith. It reminds us there's something yet to come. Peter has talked about this earlier in the, in the book, and I'm just going to look back briefly to 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, because he talks so much about this reminder of what faith does and trials do as we go through them. He says, In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to had, had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, the proven genuineness of your faith, the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ when he is revealed. Peter's reminding us there is a place where our faith needs to be tested. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you guys like tests, kids who have to go take tests? Is it like, yay, I have a test tomorrow? We don't always look forward to tests, do we? But they actually mark us in the progress of where we're going. They help us to recognize where we might have gaps in our understanding. And God, as he walks with us through tests, is helping us to say, is my faith for real? Do I trust God only for the blessings, only for the joys that are there? When I'm insulted, when people are intolerant of me, do I see this as a test that says, yes, I know this is the way. And there's no turning back. There's no turning back. I'm going forward. The trial of faith has value for that. So when you face trials, it's not that we're saying, I love the trial, Lord. (laughs) Maybe But I love that God is with me in this trial. And in the middle of it, in the place of pressure, he's saying, I'm making something even more beautiful in your life. I'm stripping you of your incorrect views of me and of yourself. And I want to show you the truth. I want to refine your faith and prove it genuine. And of course, that is what would stand throughout the course of time. So a third blessing of suffering, and this one we're maybe more familiar with, because we talk of this often in the church. Let's look forward to the glory that's coming. I remember talking to a uh, Christian at one time who said, "I just don't like those songs, those songs that always just talk about glory, because you know if you're if you're only thinking about heaven, you're no earthly good." And I thought, "Have you heard that term? So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good." I think opposite of that. I think when we face, look ahead to the glory that's coming because of Christ's resurrection, we are of more earthly good because we recognize this is not all there is, but it's important in the process. And so Peter says in this, I want to look ahead. I want to give you a perspective of the glory that's to come in Christ. He says, so then, it, it begins with God. We, excuse me, let's go back to verse 13. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? That sense, you are going to be so full of joy 
because when Christ appears and his glory is revealed and you and we've told in other places in scripture we are invited to share in this place of glory the glorious reign of Christ it's on the horizon Christians have been saying that for centuries I don't know when it's coming you and I don't know but there is a time when this will make they will all come together in the glory of Christ when his kingdom is fully revealed and we can hold fast to that I remember my dad when he was um, in his late 50s diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He'd been a faithful follower of Christ, a really big burly man who was a builder and he just was full of joy for people. And as the disease kept taking its toll on him, it was hard to watch. Where physical strength and vibrancy had been his, it came to dependence and not even be able to walk places without help. And I remember one day particularly being at his home and he was so excited to bring to me a scripture. He was emphatic, Sharon, you've got to listen to this. You've got to listen to this. And what he said was this beautiful passage from Romans 8. Looking forward in faith, I consider, this was his claim, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. There is something greater coming. And my dad maybe is, my dad is experiencing that now. You and I who are in Christ, no matter what trials come, we have that to look forward to. There's no, there's no comparison between the suffering now, which can be horrendous. It doesn't dismiss the suffering. It's hard. It's slugging through it. It's painful. But Paul is reminding us in that passage, and Peter too, in comparison to the glory that's coming, there's no comparison. There is a glory yet to be. And that gives us blessing in the middle of suffering. We don't glorify God for the suffering, but we glorify God in it. Tim Keller has written a wonderful book of walking with God through pain and suffering. And one of the quotes he has in that book is this. Suffering is at the very heart of the Christian faith. It is not only the way Christ became like us and redeemed us, but it is the one of the main ways we become like him and experience his redemption. So when you walk through, and I know many of you, I know you're walking through suffering things. When you walk through suffering, you identify with the Christ who suffered on your behalf. And the redemption that is ours because of that. We can't lose sight of the fact in this passage that Peter is talking to Christians whose very name became a source of persecution. Notice that he says there in the in the in uh, verse sixteen. However, if you suffer as a Christian, we don't even see that word that many times in the Scripture. And there are many that said the term Christian was even a derogatory thing. That if you were called a Christian, that was like the worst thing. And I wonder if the day is coming here when that will happen with us too. When by the name being called a Christian becomes something that's derided and shamed. I think of the students here who are growing up in a culture which isn't necessarily welcoming to the Christian faith. How do we help them stand fast to say, I am a Christian. I will stand fast for this no matter what kind of hostility or abuse comes my way. Suffering is how we become like Christ. 
And it is the way that he redeems us. When we walk against the flow, as we've been talking about in this passage, we can expect it. Peter says, don't be surprised by suffering. There are blessings in suffering. And then finally he says, you can go forward in suffering through faith. Not the faith we try to conjure up on our own. The faith that God gives us. The faith we grow in as we come to worship together. As we develop a community together. He's saying, you can suffer in faith. This is a, The passage that we read today is really a summary of the whole uh, book of 1 Peter. And he, he comes to the end of it with just really clear application. You know, when, when preachers preach, they like to have the application. Peter's got it right here for us. Right here in verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will, according to God's will, should do two things. First of all, you should commit yourselves to your faithful creator. Commit yourself, it means give yourself over to, entrust your life to someone who has created your life. I trust you, Lord. It's saying, even though it's painful, even though I'm uncertain of the outcome, I trust you and I place myself fully in your care. Just as you sustain your creation, you will sustain me. Place yourself, commit yourself to your faithful creator. And then the other thing he says is, continue to do good. Remember, one of the themes in this book of First Peter has been to be winsome. Yes, we're exiles. Yes, there's suffering, but there's a winsomeness of our faith as we walk in the goodness that God's called us to do. Not as a meddler. Remember earlier he said, you know, if, if, you're, if you suffer for these things, for being a murderer, for being a thief, or any kind of crime, or even a meddler, if you suffer for that, there might be some shame in that. But when we suffer for Christ, we continue to walk in goodness. We continue to walk in faith, caring for each other, offering love, even if it's not reciprocated, doing things that point to the grace of Jesus Christ. So, new perspectives on suffering. I wish I could say, I really do wish I could say, these kinds of things will never happen in your life. We can't say that. I don't know what sufferings become before you have become in your, in your past, but this is a new perspective that we can identify with Jesus when we walk through sufferings, that we can find a blessing in it as it refines our faith and as we look ahead to what Christ is going to do in the glorious future kingdom. And then we can encourage each other. That's what Peter's doing to these believers. He's encouraging them to say, stand firm, This isn't the end. You might be abused for the name of Christ, but it is worth it. I am with you in this. My prayer for myself and for all of us is that we would recognize the presence of Christ in the middle of suffering, not be surprised by it, but hold fast in faith as he leads us forward. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you gave the ultimate perspective of what it was to suffer. You didn't run from it. You didn't retaliate in it. When they threatened you, you said no word. 
Lord, we thank you that you move us from this place of naive faith, thinking that we're just going to enjoy only the blessings of God. And you remind us that when we walk through hard things, we identify with you. Lord, remind us again in this week to be bold for the name of Jesus Christ. To remember that you are with us and that whatever ever we face, you have a glorious future awaiting us. You are the one who suffered and you invite us to identify with you. It's hard to say yes, Lord, but we do say yes. We want to follow in your way no matter what. We pray this in the confidence that your Holy Spirit is the one who will work it in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you to spend just some moments in silence and reflection. Think about the ways you need to commit yourself to the hands of your faithful creator. And think about the ways that you're going to continue to walk in firmness of faith, even in the middle of suffering.